0: Welcome to the 65th episode of the Baseball Eyes Have It podcast. I am your host, solo this week, Chris Blessing. Uh, I hope everyone is having a good start to their week. I somehow survived draft and futures week and I'm really excited uh, to get back out to ball games uh, here in the second half. But until then, uh, right now I've been just plugging away with uh, videos and scouting prospects that way. Um, this week is kind of our last week of uh, first-year player draft um, draft coverage, MLB draft coverage, and I have a great guest on this week's episode of the Eyes Have It podcast. He is the lead prospect analyst and senior baseball editor at RotoWire. Uh, he is a podcast host and a radio host as well. Um, you can basically find him everywhere. He's one of the leading voices in the fantasy prospect community. Let me welcome James Anderson to the show. James, how are you doing?
1: I'm great, Chris. Really appreciate the invite. Uh, always look forward to talking baseball with you.
0: I, I always like talking baseball with you. And uh, I was kind of jealous. Like I was listening to uh, your podcast with. Uh, with the guys and we're going to get to it a little bit later, but uh, your first year player draft podcast was one of the best podcasts, uh, you know, really kind of immediate answers. Uh, um, well, immediate uh, draft picks, I guess uh, um, between you and Jesse Roach and Eric cross and Chris Clegg. And we'll get to that a little bit later, um, but like there, I, I just want to plug it as much as I possibly can. Um, the road to wire prospect podcast, uh, it was what episode? It was last week, right?
1: Yeah, if you if you're just searching for Rotowire Prospect Podcast, it'll be the most recent episode there. Uh, but if you're doing it under the Rotowire Baseball feed, it would be the Wednesday episode of last
0: week. Okay, all right, awesome, awesome. Well. Let's get into some of your background James. Uh tell us about your journey to prospect coverage and also how long you've been writing uh podcasting uh about baseball prospects.
1: Sure, yeah. So this is my uh 10th year doing the prospect rankings for Rotowire. Um that started as a like a top 200 set of rankings uh that I would maybe update Twice a year, uh, and now and then it quickly turned into a top 400 that I updated uh, very frequently. I've got it kind of fine-tuned to sort of a, a six updates a year schedule with the top 400 prospect rankings. But uh, that's that's definitely my bread and butter. Um, I when I first started at Rotowire back uh, like 13 years ago, 12 years ago. Um, I just was really, I I gravitated toward the prospect aspect of fantasy baseball, both for redraft and for dynasty leagues, really kind of fell in love with dynasty leagues. And just, it was way more interesting to me to try to find out stuff about these guys that barely anyone knew anything about than to kind of just uh, do the same sort of redraft analysis for big leaguers. And so I just really kind of Uh, lent my time and and efforts to that and uh, Derek Van Riper uh, who used to work for Rotowire he was the MLB editor at the time Clay Link uh, was the assistant MLB editor and they brought me on as the prospect analyst uh, which I really appreciate Um, and so I've just kind of been doing that for A decade now it's it's definitely sort of evolved and been doing the podcast for about that long Um, probably more like six or seven years for the podcast um but yeah man it's just i i love just analyzing prospects um i don't really consider myself a scout uh like I, i consider you like a a true scout like in every sense of the word um i don't really consider myself that i just I do my best to rank prospects for people who play in dynasty leagues and it's, it's a lot of fun.
0: I think you're like one of the best analysts out there. If you want to like tag that, um, you know, I don't necessarily like using scout, uh, on, on, on my, um, my stuff. uh, Um, but like you are, you are one of the leading voices in fantasy prospect community in our community, um, and so it's, it's great to have you on this episode. So I'm going to ask you a great question since you've been covering prospects. So like, this is the 12 years, um, you know, 10 years with the pot, with the pot prospects specifically, but, uh, who have been some of your favorite prospects from the past that you've covered that you've been able to see develop as MLB players,
1: man, that's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, I've I've really loved uh you know, a guy like Royce Lewis is someone that I go kind of way back with and it just I thought his journey was very uh bumpy but fun yes. and informative, like, you know, peaks and valleys. Um and I just uh remember just kind of falling in love with him um before that draft year. Uh and you know he's just he's the type of guy that I love in a in an amateur draft, uh, just athleticism with loud tools uh, and a chance to play a premium position. And I just think it it was so fun watching him kind of resurrect his prospect status uh, at the Arizona Fall League uh, yes. a few years ago. Um, and he's obviously worked his butt off to come back from a couple brutal injuries. Um, you know, I was actually when I was doing some some prep for like, I was trying to figure out exactly how long I've been doing this Um, brought me back to uh, the late Oscar Tavares of the Cardinals. Um, He was one of the first prospects I just like really fell in love with Um, that. That goes back over a decade now. Um, So, I mean, there's, there's been some kind of tragic stuff like that. Um, Yeah. But, uh, you know Byron Buxton's another guy um who I was just obsessed with as a prospect um just the tools were were incredible and I always wrestled with like him versus Corey Seager uh that was kind of a debate one year um I was Buxton over Seager uh just just because he he really kind of checked all the boxes I was looking for for fantasy Um, obviously injuries have played a huge role in, in Byron Buxton's career and everything like that. But, um, yeah, just off the top of my head, those, those three guys come to mind.
0: I'm glad you brought up, uh, uh, Royce because, um, I remember being at the Arizona fall league and, uh, doing a podcast with Welsh and you and Eno, uh, it was one of my greatest memories of, um of the AFL of the fall stars was sitting there and, and just uh, spewing our opinions about guys. Uh, and, and like, that was also my favorite moment too. one of my favorite moments too, is because we got to, uh, we got to meet Royce Lewis. We got to hear him talk and just a super dynamite guy. Uh, wouldn't you agree?
1: Oh man. Yeah. Like ten ten 10 out of 10 for just makeup, from from just what you can judge from a setting like that. Um yeah. he he didn't seem you know, he didn't carry himself like he was some big shot at all. Um but he also, you know, he just sort of had that kind of it factor. Um even so.
0: Yeah, it was an obligation. Like so many guys at those games either don't have any finish to them when they're talking to the media or it's an obligation to them. And he came out smiling and enjoying the whole, whole process being very honest. Like he was very honest about his struggles uh, the previous season. So it was really nice to really get to know him. And I actually consider him, if I were to answer the question, one of my favorite prospects from, from the past. And a lot of it's because of the fall league and that experience Um, with you guys. um, Third question, third little intro question. Is there a past prospect who for whatever reason, uh, should have been a better professional than they have been or were. And I know you already mentioned Oscar Tafaris and that oh, that yeah. tragic thing, of course. Uh, is there anybody else that might come to mind?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, how about Nomar Mazzara? Um,
0: oh, yeah, man.
1: I, I was so into Mazzara um, when he was like 19, 20. Um, and I kind of think he... I think that was sort of, um, at least from kind of what I've heard, sort of, uh, you know, just didn't have the drive necessarily to put in the, the work to kind of make the most of his tools is sort of my read on that situation. Like he, you know, he was obviously a, a mega pedigree guy back when he signed, uh, at 16 and, um, you know, just really looked like a prototypical corner outfield prospect, you know, guy that could hit 30 plus homers hit for a very high average, um, seemed just so projectable because he was getting, you know, the the power he was getting to at such a young age, you were just kind of dreaming on where that might be in age 24, age 25, uh, just, just never really put it all together.
0: That's a great answer for that. Um, I'd even that when when I come came up with these questions, I've been asking pretty much everybody that's been on uh these three questions, uh trying to give a background, how they got involved and all of that good stuff. Uh and I never even thought about Mazzara. And that it's really one of the perfect, perfect answers that you could come up with. Um I, I got to see him multiple times. I got him I got I saw him really good. Uh, when he was at Hickory for the second time, uh, second season, I had a really good look at him and I, I also really thought he was going to be the next big thing. Um, all right, well, you all know, got you on this week, uh, mostly to talk about first year player draft, uh, type stuff, um, uh, which also involves the MLB, uh, MLB draft, um. So, as a a, w- a few weeks ago, we had uh, Carlos Colazo from Baseball America on, and like I asked him industry questions. Uh, uh, meaning, when I mean industry, I don't mean fantasy industry. I mean uh, the the industry, the real industry. The uh, not that we're not real in fantasy, but those guys that uh, live and die uh, with their employment by how well they draft uh, draft the draft. So, I'm going to ask you. Pretty much the same questions, but but this time it's uh with a fantasy tilt. Um what was your overall um impression of this MLB draft um uh, from top to bottom?
1: Yeah, uh I think it it always comes back to the top three guys from college to me. Uh I know they didn't go one, two, three in the real draft, but uh, Skeens, Cruz, Langford, uh just from my experience it seems like you're kind of fortunate you sort of hope to have one guy of that caliber from the college ranks every year uh and this year there were three of them and some some years whoever you think the third best of these three could have been the best guy from college um uh, and so i just i think that that having that type of a trio where they just they feel pretty can't miss Uh, You know, knowing what we know about the MLB draft and the the bust rate on even high picks, Um, you know, I'm sure it's possible that one of the three could fail. You know, obviously Paul Skeens just being a pitcher, there's always a risk there. But just having guys that I immediately slotted in or I'm I'm going to be slotting in, um, Dylan Cruz and Wyatt Langford into my top five and Paul Skeens into my top ten. Uh, that's, that's pretty rare. So that part was very different to me. Uh, I think it was a kind of maybe slightly above average year for, for prep hitters. Um, a, a pretty decent year for, for college hitters, uh, pretty bad year for pitching on the whole. Um, those are kind of my main takeaways.
0: I totally agree with you talking to him. Uh, his main takeaways were actually like, uh, a lot about the weakness of um the college pitching of uh, ranks outside the first few guys mm-hmm. and then the other thing was that there was no left-handed pitchers uh yeah. college that were even first round guys like even if you pretended uh there wasn't a first round guy in that um lefty class so it, i totally agree with you there um so a couple weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago, last week actually, uh, you uh, got together with uh, Chris Clegg, uh, Jesse Roach, and um, Eric Cross, and did a podcast for First Year Player Draft. Um, when you were, who had the first pick, by the way?
1: Uh, Eric Cross, I believe.
0: Eric Cross. Um, and w- what was your pick?
1: I was picking third.
0: Third, okay, Awesome. So this goes right into this question. Um, first off, like who, if you had that top pick, who would have been your first pick?
1: Yeah. Uh, so we <laughs> did. We did kind of say um, that this is for a theoretical OBP league. Um, okay. And I do think and now that I, that I does,
0: remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That,
1: that does kind of matter here with because I, I it would be Cruz or Langford for me unless. Unless you gave me enough context to where, like the rules or my, my needs for my team swing it to where I I need the pitcher um, so desperately, uh, but generally it would be between Cruz and Langford. And then in an OBP league, I think I'd lean slightly towards Cruz. Uh, in a batting average league, I would go Langford, and I could I could maybe even talk myself into going Langford in an OBP league, uh, especially. If I had like an older team and I kind of thought i my window to win was like this year and next year that type of thing uh i just I don't like the landing spot for Cruz in Washington just from a get him to the big leagues quickly standpoint uh they're they're just so far away from being um you know con- contenders that I would guess we see Dylan Cruz up in like September of next year. And they kind of do the Gunner Corbin Carroll thing with him uh, next year. Whereas I could see Langford being up uh, very early uh, next year, just given where the Rangers are at.
0: So who, t- who, uh, what did, who did air cross take with his first? He pick?
1: took Cruz. He took Cruz. Okay.
0: Okay. And what did you get at your third pick?
1: I got ski at third.
0: Okay. Okay. And th- and that totally makes sense and that that goes with the ranking as well. Of uh, did did you feel like Skeens may have uh been high, higher ranked on your fantasy board because of the lack of pitching or is it more that he was your third best prospect uh for that format? Uh
1: I think it's I think he's clearly like I think there's a drop off to me between Skeens and whoever do you think fourth is at least for me um like Skeens Skeens is going to immediately slot in as my top ranked pitching prospect um so that like you said I mean it is starting to dry up on the pitching side like I, I might have fewer than 20 pitchers in my top 100 on the next update um so like skeins is, is kind of the scarcer commodity, I guess. Um, but I also just think this is sort of where he deserves to be uh, really, really tough to pick holes in, in his game.
0: Of course, sometimes answers bring on new questions and, you know, kind of going a little bit away from uh, specifically first year player draft real quick. Um, I I've, discussed this with several list makers uh from people outside of the fantasy realm like jared sedler uh who was in guest earlier this year uh, from baseball perspectives and then of course us fantasy folks uh how how difficult has it been with the let's just say the pandemic player pool that was in the pros prior to the draft how difficult was it to kind of shuffle through maybe rankings 50 to 150 like was it a difficult process for you
1: oh man i mean it's just uh you know i could spend like i spend as much time on it as i can but it's just uh really never ending like the the amount of digging you can do on on the guys in that range um i just i find that there's position players to get excited about um really all over uh, baseball and like every level, there's guys breaking out, um, you know, young guys, older guys. Uh, The pitching is just, it's gotten really dried up. And uh, like, you have to figure out where, where do I rank, you know, like Gavin Stone and and Brandon Fott and, and pitchers like that who uh, were bad enough in the big leagues that they're not going to graduate uh, before this next update. Um, whereas, like, you know, there's guys like Brian Wu and Emmett Sheehan and Gavin Williams who might still be prospect eligible, but they've been so, uh, or at least they've impressed me enough to where they're, they're kind of either holding steady or moving up. Um, but yeah, man, there's, there's just, it you've got a bunch of teenagers, a bunch of 17 year olds and 18 year olds yes. to keep track of. Uh, You know, there's a lot of guys where, you know, if you haven't been paying close attention, you might have sort of like missed like how their season has developed. Maybe they got off to like a slower start uh, and they've just been tearing it up of late. Um, You know, maybe they're just really, really blowing away expectations like a, like Roman Anthony, like where do you rank him? Um, You know, a guy that wasn't in my top 100 coming into the year, but like statistically, it's hard to say that he's not hard. Like, a top 50 yeah. guy at least. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so fun. Like I wish I just could stop everyone from playing in games until I was done with the list. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be, it, it's, I'm like halfway through it and it's, it's been a, a huge challenge for sure.
0: Like I I've noticed that I, I, I rank out to 200, um, not at the site. We only rank out to a hundred. Um, which we're going to hopefully change that soon to, to you know, maybe keep up a little bit with our competitors like Rotowire, Um But also, like, I rank personally up to 200. And I will say that this year has been the most challenging to get to 200. Um, you know, to be certain that I had 200, you know, not 200 guys. It's easy to come up with, with 250, 300, 400, 500 guys. It's just, matter of ranking those guys in, in, in that ranking. And I've found that like this year there's more surprises for me around the corner, like uh, digging into Roman Anthony, for instance, I'm glad that you brought him up. Uh, he was a guy that was not, you know, at the beginning of the year was not in my top 150. He was in my top 200. Uh, but to see him grow now, he's like a top 50 guy. Um, uh, a guy that wasn't in my top 200 uh, Zach Dezenzo is uh, 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 Astro's prospect is just barely in my 100 right now. Um, and I, I usually update that internally every month just to, just to kind of keep going uh, and have something whenever it's the time to submit a list or draft a league or be in a, a mock draft or something like that. Um, so like, it's been, it's been challenging in that respect that, um, there's guys falling off as you put those pitchers that have struggled, uh, mightily in their debuts, uh, has been really thrown off. Um, and then also guys that got hurt this year. I, I don't like discounting. I, I mean, I'll discounted Daniel Espino because he's been hurt a bunch. Um, but like, for instance, uh, um, Curtis Mead, uh, I know it's not a pitcher, but like, I can't discount him. So, so very much, uh, uh, kind of getting on a tangent here. I'm uh, going to try to bring it back to the first year player drafts with that same question. How many, and, and I know you're not finalized your list yet, but how many of this year's draftees made your top 100? Do you think?
1: Oh, uh, I can tell you that. Uh, let's see. Three, five. Um, yeah. So it's kind of fun. It's, it's 10 for sure. Yeah. And it'll probably stop there. Like, I've got a couple guys that are right on the edge, but I would expect they won't quite make the cut. So I think it'll just be it'll just be ten and it'll be ten like in my top seventy and then none mm-hmm. from like seventy to one hundred basically.
0: And that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Did any of those draftees make it are they, are they gonna be making it near top ten?
1: Yeah, the Langford, Cruz, and Skeens are all top ten. Yeah. Now.
0: And like, I don't remember a draft that ever happened in it. Uh, do you?
1: No, no. I, I, I think, um, general, I think I like used to be maybe kind of on the lower end in terms of how high I would put the highest, uh, draftees in. Um, it kind of depends on the class and depends on like just how much talent is left still in the minors. But I feel like even in like a, Like back in like the Adley, Andrew Vaughn, um, you know, those guys were like coming in at like eighth overall or something like that. Um, And then the rest of the guys would kind of come in in like the twenties or whatever. So yeah, having three top 10, I don't think that's ever happened for me at least.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's the internally, that's what we've talked about too is like, there's three guys that are clearly top 10 overall fantasy prospects in this draft given given where we're at with our our current player pool too i think maybe i think even in a regular year I think that they could have um, could have challenged for a top 10 slot so uh, it's good to hear that we're not too far off on on that i actually uh, I just counted i have about 11 guys in my top 100 and you're in my top 75, 10 of those guys are there. So um, I have one guy at 99. Um, uh, let's kind of like a little segue here specifically. Um, we had two high school guys that were drafted um, with the fourth and fifth pick. Uh, do you have any thoughts on either of those guys, um, uh, how you ranked them, or uh, who you preferred over uh, over Jenkins and Clark?
1: Uh yeah, you know, I I do not have a strong lean on Clark versus Jenkins. Um right now I'm I'm planning on just having them back to back. Uh Clark at like 26 overall and Jenkins at 27th overall. Um I, you know, with Clark, I I tend to go for guys that are sort of hit over power uh you know, as long as there's enough power for me to project you know 15 plus home runs like i, I kind of like that archetype a bit more especially when it comes with impact speed and uh impact defense that should keep the bat in the lineup uh jenkins like I, I could very easily see like jenkins just going you know complex ball and he he just lights it up and it's like he's got just too much impact potential to keep him behind clark um but i'm going to kind of let that play out um there They're neck and neck right now, and I will definitely let, you know, their pro debuts figure into where they rank for me going into the offseason.
0: Yeah, I have Jenkins. I have Walter Walker uh, Jenkins. And I said four and five. I meant uh, Max Clark was drafted third, and uh, Walter uh, Walker Jenkins was ranked. was drafted fifth. Uh, And on my board for the draft, I had Jenkins and Clark three and four. Oh, four all 4 and 5 I'm sorry um on my list that's why I went to uh draft 4 and 5 um was there anybody in the top 10 that was uh has been difficult to um uh, kind of place in in a ranking
1: um well I I'm generally kind of like low on the rest of the top 10 um okay it hasn't it just especially as it pertains to fantasy uh Like, a lot of these guys are just sort of archetypes of players that are much more valuable in real life than fantasy. You know, like, high school catcher Blake Mitchell, I'm not even going to rank him in my top 50 just because of the amount of lead time involved there.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Rhett Lauder, on the one hand, I like the landing spot because, you know, he's going to have a clear path into that rotation. Um, uh, but you know, it's not the best team to have a pitcher on for fantasy. And yeah. that obviously gets like magnified times three with Dolander and Colorado, and you know, you got a prep righty and noble meyer, Jacob Wilson I think is extremely controversial among evaluators. Uh I I probably am on the lower end there.
0: Same um, here. I, I don't think, I don't think he's anything but an average contributor.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm not high on any of those guys. And, it, it, but I, I, I like Rhett louder the most. Um, but I don't necessarily see a ton of upside there, especially in that park.
0: I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big, uh, even as real world scout, uh, with Blake Mitchell, I think he'll be a fine defensive catcher, but I don't really see the offensive skills. Uh, I think I think teams are squinting at those offensive skills um, because they see such a um, potential with the defensive uh, behind home plate, and who knows what you know with the automation of the strike zone, uh, likely a challenge system eventually coming. How much of an impact that really has? So um, yeah, I mean my my guy with fantasy with for fantasy rankings louder, and probably for real life, uh, he's the next guy essentially. Pick 11 to pick 19, it was mostly all college guys except for uh, one two-way player uh, Bryce uh, Eldridge uh, from Virginia who went to the Giants. Uh, is there any particular high school bat in that range that you're uh, really excited about? or And, and also one that you think that's been kind of difficult to evaluate?
1: Yeah. Uh, the well, just the four I really like um, are Matt Shaw, Brock Wilkin, Tommy Troy, and Braden Taylor. Uh, Matt Shaw is going to be my highest ranked of those. Uh, went 13th overall to the Cubs. He just, he checks so much off that I'm looking for with a college hitter. Uh, just love that he excelled both this year uh for his his college team but also in the cape cod league um i love his success rate stealing bases i know he's not a uh you know a burner like he's not going to put up crazy run times but it seems like he's one of those guys who's just really good at getting jumps um a guy without any real weaknesses. I think Tommy Troy's a lot like that too. Um, you know, I love kind of proving it on the Cape. Uh, I love what Brock Wilkin did in terms of cutting down the, the strikeouts. You know, I don't, I don't think he's going to be like a two seventy hitter, but I think he could be a two fifty hitter. If it's 30 plus homers. Uh, so I, I like that fit there in Milwaukee with, with Wilkin.
0: Yeah. and uh, you mentioned Taylor as well. Um, you know i I, obviously the strength of this uh of the first round was these college bats uh there was a big divide or a big uh talent level um drop down from those first uh two college bats to the rest of them but like it's a solid college uh college bat is there any of those college bats in there that you're a little bit down on um the Uh, ones you might not have mentioned Uh, Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I am a little lower or or maybe a lot lower on Jacob Gonzalez. Um, I just, I don't think there's like, I think he's going to end up getting platooned and he's going to end up moving to third base and, uh, just, I don't know. I, I don't see, uh, the same level of floor or ceiling there with Gonzalez. Uh, I I don't like it when guys come in as shortstops but uh are essentially like fringe average to below average athletes um and I I was going to be quite a bit lower on Kyle Teal. I do love the landing spot of him with Boston. Um like I think he'll he'll be he'll get the most out of his abilities with that uh situation. And, you know, I think your other question about like who's been really difficult to rank, uh, Brad, Bradfield, like Enrique Bradfield. Um, I just, I kind of, part of it is just Baltimore is so loaded, Chris. Like, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. Yeah, like, man. I, I can't recall a offensive core that's just this deep and this stacked. And, um, you know, they're eventually going to kind of get into their sort of Houston Astros phase where they're trading away uh Teoscar Hernandez and Derek Fisher and JD Davis and all these guys and Colin Moran and it's kind of you know, some of them are gonna make it with their new clubs and some of them won't, but you don't know which ones they're gonna choose to keep. Uh I think we can guess and make pretty good guesses as to which ones they're gonna choose to keep. And they might choose to keep Bradfield because if they can turn him into Uh, yeah, they could turn him into a slightly better version of Cedric Mullins you know like like a four or five win center fielder who maybe he hits eighth or ninth for them but uh, just provides gold glove defense and is stealing 40 plus bases Uh, but he could also like if he doesn't quite clear that bar offensively uh, maybe he ends up as like a fourth outfielder so I think I think Bradfield's really tough to rank. I definitely think Baltimore will do everything to get the most out of him. And so I'd be more willing to kind of bet on him, uh, with this landing spot just in terms of developmenting or developing his tools. But, uh, they're just so, they're so crowded, man. It's so, it's so hard to say which of these guys is going to be the odd man out in a year or two.
0: It's so freaking crazy how, how loaded that organization is. And I, I like the good, uh, Uh, comparison to the Astros uh, farm system as well uh, a few years ago it's incredible what they've done Uh, I've talked to somebody that's been pretty close to uh, their player development group and um, just uh, just the things like everything seemingly is working uh, in that organization where they're they're getting the most out of these players and Oh, it, it's going to be pretty soon. We're going to see guys from this organization in other player development, uh, um, organizations, other organizations, player development, um, coaching staffs and that sort of thing. So, uh, and I mean, a lot of this came from the Astros. Um, so a lot of these groups, uh, a lot of these coaches came from that, that, um, that system, uh, which would be a great question here. Um, how much do you put these situations in or developmental situations in to your ranking because obviously you're ranking prospects based on talent but you're also ranking them on whether they they achieve um, their high ceilings or or floors uh, how, so how much do you you put into it if a guy's drafted uh, by the Rays, like Braden Taylor, or by the Orioles, by Enrique Bradfield, like Enrique Bradfield Jr., and then somebody like Jacob Gonzalez who gets drafted by the White Sox, who's <laughs> like they're just terrible at developing anybody.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, I think with it, it probably affects it on the most extreme side on the pitching. Uh, like, like, Hurston Waldrop is my second favorite pitcher in the class. Yes. Um, but if he had gone to a team that I didn't think knew how to develop pitching, I'd be quite a bit lower on him. I'd be disappointed, you know, I'd, but I but I'd just have to sort of adjust and be like, well, it's it's probably less likely. Like, if, if the Royals had taken Hurston Waldrop, um, you know, I would have been like, it, it's probably less likely now that he – gets the most of his abilities, but he ends up in Atlanta and now I'm encouraged. Um kind of a, a similar case would be uh Alex Clemy, uh the big six six prep lefty that the Guardians took in the second round, uh just has you know monster fastball potential. Um a lot could go wrong, but uh, I, I like that the Guardians got their hands on him. Um he's still just extremely risky, but uh if he'd gone to a team that I didn't really know know if they knew what they were doing or not, I might not even rank him as like a top fifty guy from the class. so it's probably more um relevant when it comes to the pitchers uh There is kind of a case on the hitting side where I like Kent Balderman for for fantasy. Uh, but mm-hmm. the Marlins have really never had success developing someone like nope. temple. So, uh, that's a tricky one where I don't know how much to ding him on my rankings, given the landing spot.
0: And like the Marlins have been, you know, you can tell like they, they know that they can develop pitching. Like, so like I have no problems with their first two picks. Uh, um, uh, Noble Meyer and Thomas white. I thought that, that those are great situations for those guys because they have a history. Uh, you know, they, they don't necessarily do it. Uh, then develop them, develop pitchers like some other teams do, but they, they at least have a history uh, of doing so. Uh, I, I have a problem. Uh, same thing with you, as you mentioned, if it's a pitcher uh, going to a development situation, that's not the greatest uh it dings them. I a few years ago, Chris McMahon was a guy that I really liked at the University yep. of Miami. Me too. Uh, and then and then he gets directed by the Rockies, and, and he's gone. Like it, yeah. it's almost like bye, see ya. <laughs> It's
1: Like he doesn't um, exist anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like he doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, I'm not going to down any other organizations. It's easy to uh, the Rockies to to pick on them, but like the Angels, uh, they they they're another team that like doesn't like they had Reed Detmers like ready like reed detmers was close to ready i I don't and you can tell that they're doing the same thing with hitters they're trying to get guys that are that are close to being ready whether they're super um whether they have super upsides that's one thing or another um and then looking at the white Sox, like uh jacob gonzalez seems like a yeah i'm in the same boat as you i don't i don't necessarily see the upside with him uh and there's heavy platoon risk but Uh, Jacob Gonzalez comes a little more ready than what the white Sox usually have. Um, so like I look at that, like if if they had taken a high schooler at that pick, I would have been like that dude's completely off my board. They, they're not going (laughs) to even come close to developing a high school bat. Um, but with Jacob Gonzalez, he's developed enough that they can't mess him up enough. But again, on, on Jacob Gonzalez, it's not, it, the upside's just not there. It's yeah. just not there at all. Um,
1: yeah, Gonzalez is, Gonzalez is more of like a um, confirmation bias type of one. Like, I was going to be low on him regardless, and then when the White Sox took him, I was just like, okay. All
0: right, here, here's, a, here's a good question. You you did mention some guys outside of the first round. Um there were some picks uh, specifically starting with the competitive balance round to the second round, to so even the third round, uh, that I would consider end-of-first-round type picks. Uh, is there anybody in that range that really s- s- stands out for you that you haven't mentioned yet?
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, in this uh, you know, kind of picks 20 to 60 almost, it's kind of which prep shortstops do you like the most? Um, like I, I like Sammy Stafura a lot, uh, who the reds got in the second round. Uh, I think his athleticism and body and just fantasy relevant tools. It's, it's kind of all there. It's just a matter of whether or not he'll be able to hit, um, from the Northeast. So, you know, people aren't quite as sold on him as maybe they would be if he'd done it in like California or Texas or something, but. Uh, I think Stafura has a ton of upside. I think that that's kind of what you should be chasing in this class, in this range. Once, once all the college hitters you like are gone, uh, any, you know, spare college pitchers you happen to like, like a wall drip once those guys are gone, I think you just got to take uh, your favorite prep shortstops. Um, I also like Ty Pete uh, who the Mariners got uh, just, just in terms of the physical tools uh, Walker Martin is a is a very trendy guy uh, I think for, for good reason I don't love the landing spot with the Giants just more for kind of the the nature of the park and the nature of the playing time there but um, you know I like Walker Martin a lot uh, and then like Cooper Pratt who who the Brewers got in the sixth round like all the way down there um, some prep shortstops were falling so uh, those are just a few of the guys I like, but I definitely think that's kind of the strength of that range of the draft.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, 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 Pete was in my scouting area. I didn't get to actually see him as a, uh, as a senior. I got to see him as a junior and was very impressed by him. He went to Trinity, uh, Christian Academy here in Georgia. Uh, uh, I was supposed to see him, but he, he hurt his elbow right before, um, Right before I was to see him, I was actually going to scout him as a pitcher, and then, after that moment, he didn't pitch ever again and obviously he's not a pitcher, but uh you know those physical tools there um it's above average across the board really uh tool wise uh and you don't get that you don't get that that often uh especially um after the first round or after truly the first round i mean um i I also really liked uh colin Hawk um for uh, the Mets who took him, I think he took him 32nd pick. Um, uh, he's just a late to baseball guy with very easy movements and stuff, very athletic. I think the Mets uh, uh, got a steal. Um, I don't know if he stays at shortstop. I think uh, I think uh, Ty has a better chance of staying at shortstop. Um, uh, I think the best shortstop Defensively in this class, the one that's going to stick there is probably uh, Adrian Santana. Um, mm-hmm. He's the most likely to stick there, but I'm not high on him um, as a fantasy guy. And he was drafted by the Rays um, uh, with the pick right after Ty Pete. Um, the Mariners had taken Pete, and then Adrian Santana went. Which, I, I mean, all the rumors were, were were the Rays were on Pete for that that number 31 slot. So it was kind of funny how that the Mariners beat them to the punch on that. Um, so yeah, so a a great draft this year. Uh, I'm very thankful that you were able to come on and talk to us today, uh, about this draft. Um, is there anything that you'd like to share that's coming up? Anything that you have on tap?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, really appreciate the invite, Chris. Um, this was a lot of fun. I I do have, uh, the top 400 prospect rankings update that I'm working on right now. Uh, like I said, about halfway done with that. I'm aiming for it to be on the site, uh, next Tuesday. So that'd be the 25th. Um, so that's, that's the goal and then there'll be a mailbag article and podcast following that. But, uh, yeah, just check out rotowire.com, slash pod for a trial.
0: That's awesome. And uh, as a Rotowire subscriber, um, which I am, I can I can endorse this. It's it's a it's a very good site. I use it um, for all kinds of purposes, um, my fab um, from all all of that. I like to have multiple sources, not just Baseball HQ. Um, but that they're, of course, my first source because they're the ones that pay me, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, RotoWire is, uh, it, it, it's just a tremendous site. The subscription's worth it, just like the Baseball HQ, uh, website's worth it. I think I might be actually, uh, uh, the more and more I hear Chris Clegg talk, I, I, the more and more I need to throw some money that direction as well. Um, uh, he was fantastic on your podcast, uh, the other day, and, uh, just has I, I did a podcast with him the other day. So uh check out his work as well. We're gonna to try to get him on the podcast uh, uh coming up soon. Um as for me, I don't really have anything on tap other than watching video and uh writing articles on those on those folks. Uh I don't get out to the ballpark again till the end of July. Just bad scheduling, work stuff, all of that good things. Uh but yeah, I haven't I have James, I haven't been into a baseball game since May since the end of may um it, it sucks
1: man yeah that's that's a long time for you
0: yeah it's the it's the longest i've ever gone and it's going to be almost two months uh but you know life happens weather happens uh uh bad teams come through that that was a lot of it was bad teams <laughs> came through um you, but you've yeah. got standards yeah i have standards like but, see, that's the thing that people don't understand. If, if there's not enough guys to go and cover, it's not worth it financially um, yeah. and stuff. So that's why the Arizona Fall League and uh, First Pitch Arizona is such a great thing. Uh, the website right now is running a deal. Um, I just accidentally clicked off of that deal. Um, oh, yeah, here we are. Um, it, right now, 28th annual First Pitch Arizona is going to be November 2nd through 5th. Um there might be a chance that we have James there. He's he's been there before. He might may not be there. Um we'll see. Um our current sk- uh, special right now is $379. We have sp- and that special pricing will go through July 31st. Um so that means prices will go up on August 1st. Uh James, thank you for being on our episode today. And also, thank you to everybody out there that joined us uh, on this episode of the Eyes Have It podcast. Uh, next week's host to be, or, uh, host is determined. I will be on, but I have yet to schedule my next guest. Uh, Brent is taking two weeks off since uh, we had him in both the last two episodes. Um, so you can ask us questions at the Eyes Have It at BaseballHQ.com. Reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at C underscore Blessing. Brent is at Brent HQ. Uh, And first time listening to the pod, please uh, click subscribe to get our future episodes, rank us, spread the word, all that good stuff. Uh, James, again, thank you very much for joining us. And I hope you have a great rest of your season. You too, man. This was fun. Awesome, man. Uh, And may everyone have a great week out there prospecting.